Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. In the first place, he put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years, 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard times. Want to talk to the guys on Sports Talk Saturday? Call or text us now. You put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard times. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Well, speaking of hard times, the Sabres, they're on this station in a couple of hours. No computer is creating hard times for the Sabres. In fact, quite the contrary. Human. It's human error. That's really hurting the Sabres. Anyways, uh, Brian Cozy will be along this evening for Sabres pregame, which um, gets underway here at 6 p.m. we got a 7 p.m. puck drop. That's tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Sabres coming off of another 5-2 loss. Um, and if you're into mathematics, uh, the Sabres, they just continue losing 5-2. I don't know that there's really another result that is capable of happening. They just continue to lose 5-2, to two, and fans seem to just lose more and more hair. Not willingly. It's not even natural. People are actually pulling their own hair out. So um, we're not going to talk too much about the Sabres uh, in the limited time that I have over here uh, for the next two hours. We're going to basically shift our gears fully into Bill's free agency. Um, I've got Thad Brown who's going to join me here in just one second. Um, uh, before I do that, I want to set the stage and obviously go over some of the things that happened this week um, so that I can have a nice baseline to, 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 to talk with Thad about here. But m- more importantly, um, this week is a big week for the Bills, in particular Brandon Bean. Brandon Bean secures contracts for two guys that I had essentially written off. And by the way, I'm not the only one that basically wrote off Matt Milano and Darrell Williams. I thought for sure those are two positions, two players that were going to likely, if they didn't set the market for their position, they were going to be right up there with the guy that ultimately did set the market. And instead, neither of them get to even the 
the legal tampering period. I think there's a lot to say about what Brandon Bean has done, what Sean McDermott has done to cultivate the culture um, that is here currently with his players, that they want to stay, and not only are they willing to stay, but guys like Mitch Morse, who are respected veterans, if the, if the Bills decided ultimately that they were going to cut Mitchell Morse, he would have a, a pretty long line of NFL teams signing up um, to, to bring him on as their starting center. So, you know, they have starters who would demand value elsewhere, basically coming to the team and saying, well, we know you need space. Let me restructure my contract or let me take a pay cut or give me the opportunity to earn that money back with some incentives. So I think, you know, the culture around this team right now has never really been better in my lifetime. And we're starting to see the results of what a lot of the conversations around the last decade have been about culture. What does culture actually do? What is the value of having good culture other than winning? Winning breeds good culture, which is true. But what also what that winning and what that good culture creates is a willingness to maybe put aside some of your own personal goals for the greater part of the team. You don't want to let your guys down. And I think it's very telling that when Micah Hyde signs earlier last week, signs his extension, you know, he's kind of just talking about you know the 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 idea that you know guys should have come to buffalo that didn't come there that didn't that didn't end up ultimately signing with the bills and i think this offseason these bills players that maybe in years past would have been kind of laughed off as trying to recruit some guys you know we heard Jordan Poyer this week on with Pat McAfee talking about how he was down south recruiting guys like Xavier Rhodes um, and some other players like that so i i think Carlos Dunlap. I, I think this Bills team is in a really prime position. I also think, and we'll talk to Greg Thompson about this later on um, after Thad here, like, if the Bills want to make a move, they can make a move. Um, that means if the Bills, if, if Brandon Bean decided today that the only way his team could make a Super Bowl is he needed Allen Robinson to pair with Stephon Diggs, he could do it if he wanted. He, he has the ability to move the contracts around that he needs to move around, create the space that he needs to create. Now, would it be perfect? No. But my, my point in, in using Allen Robinson as an example here is if they want a player, Brandon Bean has the capability to move things around in the books to, to basically sign whomever they please, not in terms of volume. They can't sign five Allen Robinsons. But if they wanted to go out and set the market for a position player, you know, Carl Lawson, they could technically do it if they wanted. But let's go to the Western Hotline now. Because my man uh, Thad Brown, he's the sports director ever at WRRC uh, TV in Rochester. Um, you might also see him uh, co-hosting the Buffalo Kickoff Live as well here during Bills Game Day. Thad, thanks so much for joining me this afternoon, man. Appreciate it. Nate, man, how you doing? Good, man. Uh, the weather is turning. Uh, we, you and I, uh, being the avid golfers that we are. Um, this has not been an easy few months. So when we see the sun, I've got buddies texting me, uh, "Hey, you ready? To, you want to go get out and golf in 38 degree weather?" And I'm, you know, considering it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. My uh, my tailor made new three with my new uh, tailor made uh, titanium sim just came nice. in the mail today. Very excited. Um, I might spend the rest of the afternoon at the range, regardless of what my wife wants me to do. But that's yeah, right. It is that time of year where you know any any. Any weather where there's not snow on the ground and, and not snow coming from the sky, and you're, you're thinking about it. But, you know, soon enough, soon enough. I mean, mid, mid-March is still early. You know, we at golfing in, in three, four weeks, and, and I'll still call that a winter out here. That's, I totally agree with you, man. But uh, tra- transitioning over to what has been already a really busy start to free agency, and it technically, again, still hasn't started. We don't see the legal tampering period technically open um, until Monday. So, Thad, with that being said, um, you, you're getting an idea of sort of the checklist for Brandon Bean. First and foremost, that checklist had J.J. Watt's name on it. Um, they didn't get J.J. Watt. And, and, and I want to pose this question to you because I kind of posed it on Twitter. Twitter earlier last week is, you know, if the Bills, let's say the Bills successfully landed J.J. Watt, do you believe, based on what 
Brandon Bean has prioritized this free agency period, even though it hasn't started yet. Do you believe Matt Milano's contract gets done? The long-term four-year, forty-one million with you know potentially up to forty-four million with incentives gets done if JJ Watt's in a Bills uniform right now? No, I don't think Matt Milano is, is under contract right now, and I think you know the, what we all thought about Milano, and you were right. You know, a few days ago, we all thought Matt Milano was probably gone. I think that would have been much more likely to happen. You know, and and I know, you know, you just said that they have the money now to to make a move, and there are ways to make that happen. But it's still there are still limits, and they were not going to be able to spend. You know, I don't think on two big time pieces on defense. I I don't think you know they have any chance right now. Well, I don't say any chance, but I don't think they have a a reasonable chance at a top end edge rusher like a Carl Lawson. I, I think their big spend on defense was Matt Milano. I think Brandon Bean got a great contract. I mean, you know, when you go into free agency, I think the number one thing a team wants to try and do is get good value. You know, I don't care about fit or quality of player. If I'm going to pay $5 million for a guy, I want $5 million of of production. And if I get that in free agency, it's a win. And the contracts that the the Bills gave to Milano and Daryl Williams, I think, easily are going to fall into that category. So it's been a really good week for the Bills, no matter how you want to slice it. Yeah, you're talking about return on investment, Thad, and I think from both players, Daryl Williams, the guys that they ended up locking up long-term, Daryl Williams and Matt Milano, you're talking about at least over, let's talk about Matt Milano's first four seasons, maybe there is no better return on investment of a you know starting defensive outside linebacker than Matt Milano, who is a fifth-round pick, he's getting fifth-round salary, um, and then you go to Daryl Williams, who's coming off of maybe people thinking his career is over before he's the, at the age of 30. Um, he goes back to the position that he's played his whole career and that felt like he could kind of come back. And I think Brandon Bean had a lot of confidence in that. So they get and they get him at a, you know, essentially nothing for a starting right tackle in the NFL, one of the lowest paid right starting right tackles in all the league last year. So when you're talking about, you know, return on investment, they got that in spades over the first four years of Matt Milano's contract and then obviously last year with Darrell Williams. But when you project these two contracts moving forward, they can get out of Matt Milano's deal after two years if they really wanted to. They've got some options with Darrell Williams as well. But essentially, they end up adding between eight and then six, about fourteen million to the salary cap this year on two starting caliber players. Now, the kind of the flip side of this question, Thad, is is I do believe they need to find ways to get better on the roster. What they've done is maintained, I think, for for the most part, done a good, nice job maintaining the roster that they had last year. That was an AFC Championship team. Where do they get better though? Like because that's what has to happen. Is Kansas City? Maybe they take a step back with losing, you know, Mitchell Schwartz and and Eric Fisher, but they're likely going to replace them somehow, some way, whether it's the draft or in house. But everyone around you, particularly Indianapolis, even the Jets and the Dolphins, everyone's going to be getting better. So I don't think the Bills can afford to just, you know, stand pat with their roster decisions. So with that said, do you believe they still have the space after signing some of these guys? And you, you're talking about return on investment. Is there guys out there for you that you believe they need to go and, t- you know, maybe try to go and get? Maybe that's a, you know, a cornerback to a Malcolm Butler, a guy that you can potentially get for a, you know, th- five, six million, something along those lines. Is there a position that is really sticking out to you that you say to yourself, they need to be better there if they're taking the next step? To me, it's always been pass rush. You know, and, and this is where I would, I don't want to say criticize, but this is where you, you might question the way the Bills have handled this because they've given out two fantastic contracts, but like you said, they, they, there's, at this point, it looks like they're just going to run it back with the team they had last year. And that team, frankly, got trucked by Kansas City twice last season, and the Chiefs didn't win the Super Bowl. So, you know, based on that, how close was that team last year to be able to argue, okay, we just bring everybody back and we're good. You know, so that, that's where, you know, I wonder. And right now they have, by my math, and everybody's math is going to be a little bit different, and the numbers that are public are very 
you know, there's a lot of margin of error. So, you know, keep that in mind, everybody who's listening to this. But I've got the bills right now at about $6 million that they can actually spend. Not space, but, but things that they could just go out, money they could spend on. And you could probably add two more to that, assuming Lee Smith is, is going to retire or not be on the team next year. So let's say seven, eight, nine. You could go get, if it was me, I'd be chasing Carlos Dunlap. I think this is a veteran guy who you can get on a, a relatively affordable year one cap hit. Maybe you go, you know, two years, 16 mil for him, but the year one cap hit's five, something like that. And that's a guy that I think can bring some attitude. Um, he's still a, a physically dominant player, at least at times, and, and certainly a guy who could be a really good bookend across from, from Jerry Hughes. Now, that being said, if Mario Addison has already taken a pay cut, then I think the Bills are projecting Mario Addison to probably be their number two defensive end going into the next year. I don't know if they would have an interest there. But to me, pass rush was the spot that the Bills always had to improve, and they really haven't done that yet. And you're right. you know, they, Other teams are going to get better, and right now the Bills are standing pat. I've always thought, though, looking at the Bills' cap situation, when it comes to improving the team, I didn't think they'd get J.J. Watt because I thought some team would outbid him, and that happened. I think the same thing for a guy like Carl Lawson. Mm-hmm. If you want to get into like the star tight ends, John o. Smith, Hunter Henry, guys who could help on offense, I think there are other teams that are going to pay those guys more money. To me, the Bills getting better next year, I thought was always going to have to be internal. And I look at two guys primarily to make that happen. Number one, Josh Allen. And I know people are like, well, he just was second in the MVP vote last year. How does he get better? Well, the guy took two giant leaps, year one to year two, year two to year three. The leaps keep getting harder to make, mm-hmm. but you want to bet against Josh Allen making that leap, you, you take that risk on your own. You know, that's on you because he's already done it twice. doesn't mean he can't do it again. And the other guy that I really think is the most likely way the Bills get better is Ed Oliver. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy in his rookie year who really flashed, looked like he could be a terror in the middle, didn't have quite a great sophomore season. I don't want to say a swoon, but certainly not the improvement that people hoped. Remember, Deion Dawkins had about the same career trajectory. Pretty good as a rookie. Second year, not so good. And then as a third, fourth-year player, he's kind of become this dependable, maybe not elite, but certainly high-end starter. If Ed Oliver does that, that solves a bunch of your pass rush issues by itself. So I don't know if the Bills can go out and get somebody in free agency. It's going to have to be internal. It could also be certainly you know, with pick 30 this year in the draft, but it's not going to be – the Bills are not going to get better in the next four weeks. It's going to happen in April or it's going to happen with the guys they already have on the roster. So I think this is the obvious next question. I think you and I agree if you restructure or you allow Mario Addison to take a pay cut, he's on your roster in 2021. Um, I think that's a no-brainer. I just I just don't think... I, I mean, technically, they could get out of it for people that are like, yeah, but technically you can't... I, I just I, It's just not going to happen. So for me, if you can't technically... Add or or maybe I think we we agree also that Carl Lawson's probably out if you have Mario Addison here. So if they're not going to likely add a free agent veteran to help that room, maybe that means it's a first round pick at the edge position. But let's pretend that they feel fine about the edge. They it could be better, sure, but I think they feel fine about it. What is the next position that you say? Okay, if I want to help my edge rushers out a bit, or I want to give them opportunity, a better opportunities to be successful. What position would then you then look at? For me, it's cornerback two. Can I get another lockdown corner at the second cornerback position, or a guy that that can provide more value than a Levi Wallace can? Because that to me, Thad becomes the next position of okay. If I'm not gonna if I'm not gonna make changes in the defensive line or or, or substantive change in the defensive line, then I think I need to bring in a legitimate cornerback too on on the other side of Tre'Davious White, and that's maybe how you take the, the the step forward with the defense this year. I 100% agree with the strategy, but I think that guy's already on the roster. I, I mm. love Dane Jackson. The two guy two games he played last year, I was I was blown away to the point where I thought it was damn near criminal they didn't play him in the postseason. I, I think he's by far 
the sec- or at least la- was last year and is now the second best corner in the team. And if they spend good money, like if they went out and got Xavier Rhodes as good a player as he is, and I think he'd be you know very very good as a second corner, I would be upset as a Bills fan because as we've said, they have limited resources and there are other places they need to spend it. To me, they do not need to spend a dollar on corner other than to have a depth guy. Dane Jackson has all the potential to be the number two corner. If he's not the starter, I will be stunned going into the next year. I, I think wow. that guy can play. I mean, I don't know if he's the like, all-pro potential, but as a number two corner, to me, that this Dane Jackson is going to be the guy. He's more than capable, and I think Bills fans will be very happy with what they see out of 16 games at Dane Jackson. So then, I, I, I like where your head's at there, Thad, too, because I, I do think they like him, and I think – Anytime you're a player that doesn't get a lot of burn during a season and your general manager in his season-ending interview mentions you by name, I think Absolutely. I think you feel good about where you are on the roster. So with that said, we know that there's probably no way the Bills tender Levi Wallace at the RFA two-point whatever million it is right, going to be to I bring agree. him back. So if they go Dane Jackson... You would think that it has to probably be a veteran, right? I don't think you just bring back Levi Wallace as that quote unquote veteran just in case as your you know, as your backup plan to Dave Jackson. So is there a guy maybe you like that has just been released or a guy that's potentially on the market? Or do you think, hey, they're going all in and that's a position maybe where we can cut some expense and maybe put that into tight end or put that into right guard? I think they're gonna have to. You know, whether they want to or not, I think that they need you know, we that they don't have you know, before we even talk about tight end and right guard. You know, they don't have a kick returner on the team. We don't know who the backup quarterback is. They don't have a punter on the team. So there are things that this team mm, needs right. to spend. It won't be big money, but you still got to spend on that. So uh, to me, I think Levi Wallace is, is a good enough candidate to be that third corner. I thought he actually improved a little bit late in the year. I think you know what you're going to get from Levi Wallace. You know, you're going to get replacement level play, which, look, as a third corner, is not the worst thing in the world, especially for a team that doesn't have the money to really spend on a, on a big-time guy to be that extra corner. Now, look, the other thing the Bills could do, and I think a lot of teams in Buffalo situation will be doing this, you get to, like, April 1st, April 8th, you know, when we're deep into free agency, then kind of look up and see what's left. You know, yeah. there's going to be players that are available that might come to your team and play, you know, one year, two million. That guy, I'd sign on a heartbeat. You know, I don't know who that'll be. Um, but all the Bills, we're talking about third corner at this point. And in the situation the Bills are in cap-wise, you have to be able to make, you know, you got to kind of pick your battles. And, and, you know, putting a lot of money into your third corner when you're already spending big on Tredavious White, you just re-signed both your safeties, I don't think that's a, a wise expenditure. And, you know, it's kind of unfortunate. This should have been the Bills last year in rookie contract, rookie quarterback contract land, where you got all kinds of room to spend, you can bring guys in. Yeah, you right. know, if the cap had gone, right. if the cap had been like maybe two ten, two fifteen, which is what it would have been without the pandemic, we're not even having these conversations about. Whoa, look at the great job the Bills got with Matt Milano. They're signing Carl Lawson. They're bringing in John. You know, they would have solved every need that they wanted with whoever they wanted, and still had money left over in the cap. So it's kind of unfortunate, but you know, the situation they're in, third corner is, not, and I am, I am locked into Dane Jackson as number two. Third corner is not a spot I'm spending on. I. uh I completely agree with you. I think it's such a good point to think about. And and I know that everyone kind of talks about the salary cap as being the overall issue, but the the window that the Bills finally created for themselves, I mean, you, you're, you can never plan these things. And if you try to, you end up being in and out of the league quicker than <laughs> than a lot of others. It's just you, mm-hmm. you can't typically, you can't prepare for the window to open, Thad. And I think it's such a great point about, you know, kind of the unfortunate nature of where the NFL is from a salary cap perspective. But I also think, um, you know, what we're talking about is issues stemming from having to pay your quarterback potentially top of value on the market. And, and for me, 
that's a conversation I've always welcomed with open arms. So I, I you know, and, and I know Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, they're they're in a better place knowing they have to prepare to pay their quarterback than they would be if they were trying in this in this year to looking for a starter or next year looking for a starter. So they'll take that problem, you know, a hundred times out of a hundred. I got I got Thad Brown here on the Western Hotline. He's a sports director over uh, in Rochester for WORC TV, and he also is the co-host of Buffalo Kickoff Live. Thad, I wanted to get your thoughts as well on the Bills' offensive line because I think it's a hot button issue, particularly. Um, John Feliciano. I think I think he's probably one of the fan favorites. I know a lot of fans love John. Um, I know the locker room loves John Feliciano. I know that they lifted them their play up front when John Feliciano went back in the lineup. Having said that, I think there's a world where I would like to have John Feliciano back, but I don't think that world includes him being built around as the starting right guard, therefore giving him starting right guard money. Um, I think really my, my, my tune has maybe changed on him from last year to this year a little bit, but I think ultimately he leaves a little bit to be desired in in terms of if you want, and, and this was a position, this was an offensive line that the coaching staff and, and Brandon Bean said they needed to be better. Well, they basically are running it back at every other position to me, that would lend me to believe that they're going to get better at right guard if they're if this line's going to be better next year. See, I think the Bills believe that a healthy Cody Ford is an improvement at guard, and I, I would disagree with that. I've never been impressed with Cody Ford. I agree Ford. with you. I, I didn't yep. like the pick to begin with, um, but I, I think I think right now, you know, certainly Brandon Bean said he thinks Ford is among the top five uh, offensive linemen on the team, and we know where the tackles are, so Ford's playing guard next year. We know that's one. And they could bring back Ike Butker, which, frankly, for the money, I think is a, a pretty reasonable starting guard. But, you know, if we're going to talk about Feliciano, Butker, and Ford, I think Feliciano is the best of the three. And I agree with you. You know, there's, there are questions with his, you know, ability. I mean, I think he's a pretty solid run blocker. But, you know, you know watching him back film-wise, I know you've seen this, the guy's a swinging gate at yeah. least once or twice a game, you know, against the pass. So the Bills can get better there. They do have the money right now. And, and, you know, we've talked about it. We started with this. They do have some money for a move. And if if it's not going to be Carlos Dunlap or a pass rusher, then going out and finding a, a guard who can be a little better pass protector, I, I think would be the, the number one thing to do. And if John Feliciano, you know, is not in the, the future plans, then, then you kind of live with that. I, I know it would be a little bit of a blow to the locker room. Um, but the Bills can get better and probably need to get better there. Um, you know, and I, I would bring back Ike Bucker almost no matter what because yep. he's excellent depth at worst. Um, and look, if you end up with Feliciano, it's not the worst thing in the world, but you know, then yeah, you're basically running the offensive line back as, as is. And the GM already said that he wanted to get better there. I don't know how you expect it to happen. Again, I think they think Cody Ford would do it by himself. Thad Brown here on the West Her hotline. I'm, the other position I think is maybe most interesting is the tight end position because I think it's one that maybe fans have overvalued or maybe have gotten overly excited about. Maybe that's the position that they really get aggressive at. I'm still not totally sold um, that Jonu Smith or Hunter Henry are realistic targets for this team. I still probably believe it's going to be one of those Tier 3 or even Tier 4 players, a Dan Arnold out of Arizona, um, somebody like that, more so than I think it's going to be a Jonu Smith. So with that said, I'm wondering where you believe or how you believe this team goes after tight end because for me I think if you want to build around Dawson Knox which I think they still have at least some want to do I think you want to get him in more of a traditional position that would fit his skill set and I don't believe his skill set is I'm going to put him in line hand in the ground and ask him to be a part-time blocker part-time pass catcher I think he needs to be the H-back fullback 
pass catching out of the backfield and also can line up as wide receiver. I want him to do those types of things, the hybrid type things, not necessarily traditional hand-in-the-dirt tight end. So for me, if if building around Dawson Knox is the word, well then I think you're going to go find more of a traditional hand-in-the-ground inline tight end who brings some blocking but can also pass catch for you. Whereas if you want to go after Jonu Smith, I think that that's that's signaling you're moving on or you've, you've sort of given up on Dawson Knox. Yeah, I think, first of all, we talked a little while ago about how the Bills aren't in the situation where they can just spend however they want to. This is what life is like when you have that big-time quarterback contract where you're up against the cap almost every season. You have to depend on your younger players to you know serve important roles. So the Bills are going to have to depend on Dawson Knox and Gabriel Davis and guys like that to be the improvement to the offense because they're not going to find it in free agency and they're not going to find it with a high draft pick because they don't have one. As for how they use Dawson Knox, they've split him out quite a bit. I mean, they go five wide. They, they run the tight end wide. You know, I don't know if, if using him in the H-back is going to open up his game that much. And to be honest, he hasn't been that bad a blocker. I don't think he's the no, worst idea in the world, you know, use him as a blocker. I think, you know, one thing we got to remember, Sean McDermott always likes to have that one veteran in every position group. And really the one spot that is crying mm-hmm. out for one right now, assuming Lee Smith is gone, is tight end. So I agree with you. I think, you know, Kyle Rudolph, Maybe Jared Cook. I don't know if it's a you know kind of a scheme fit, but in terms of that, you know, certainly way on the back end of their career, you're not expecting them to be a dominant player, but are competent at worst. You know, can be a you know a good leader, um, a good example to follow in the locker room, that kind of thing. I think that's the tight end the Bills will almost certainly bring in, and I think there's going to be plenty of those guys available. You know, we go back to that mid-April you know scenario where let's see who's left and pay that guy cheap. I think there's going to be more than enough tight ends. Um, you know, to, to fall into that category that would be available for the Bills. All right, last thing for you, Thad. I, I just kind of want to get your over thoughts, overall thoughts at the running back position. Is this one you expect maybe a veteran to come in? They've got two young guys. T.J. Yeldon's a free agent. They've got two young players. And I know, you know, Devin Singletary is going into year three. Uh, I, I wasn't overly impressed with Zach Moss. You know, like he was kind of a lot of people's darling um, going into this season as a guy that was going to take over as the, you know, kind of the, the primary back. And, I, and just that really never happened. Um, do you think they just kind of run it back and maybe try to get better on the offense? of line. I, I, I don't think I want to blame the running backs for a lot of the issues that the run game had, but they certainly didn't make it better. Couldn't agree more. I, I, again, I would not. I, I don't think it's on the two running backs, to be honest. I thought both guys in general got just about every yard they could. Remember, this team is not built to run the ball. I mean, most of the offensive linemen are better pass blockers than they are run blockers, and, and I don't see any reason to go away from that. When you have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and the pass offense that you had last year, I would want to build my offensive line around guys who can pass block better than run block. So I think when it comes to you know, the running back position, you know, unless something you know, kind of stares them in the face or, or jumps up and bites them as, wow, how can we not do this? I don't know if you really want to push any further. They've invested two third-round picks in guys who have at least shown to be capable, you know, maybe not you know, game-changing. Um, I, I know there's the, the big discussion about using a running back with pick 30. I mean – I can see it, but I wouldn't. It wouldn't be my first choice because I think they're going to have to use that pick on a more important position, whether it be a you know maybe a pass rusher, an offensive lineman. So I think the Bills are you know they don't use the running back or the running game enough to where I want to overly commit resources to it. I mean, yeah. let's say they if they end up with Najee Harris from Alabama, don't you feel like you have to give that guy the ball? If yep. Spend a first round pick on him. Yep. So why why do we not want? I mean, is there any situation other than? first and goal at the one, where we don't want Josh Allen to have the ball in his hand. So why are we spending big assets on a running back then? 
Yeah, it's a great point. Thad, appreciate you, my friend. Enjoy your afternoon and uh, get 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 that swing gate lubed up, man. You know, you don't want to be pulling anything early in the spring because it's literally my biggest fear every year. Is I got to go in. I got. I'm starting some <laughs> yoga now. I'm like the last thing I want to do is strain a, or you know hurt a shoulder or a, a rib or something because the last thing you need to do is you know go on the shelf for two three weeks. That'd just be it'd be torture. So good luck on the on, on warming the swing up, my friend, and uh, enjoy the spring. Yeah, I'll say I've never, ever thought of that, and now all I'm going to do is think about that every single time I go out, so I appreciate it. No problem, brother. Appreciate you. All right, see you, man. Fed Brown there on the Wester Hotline. I'm going to take a timeout. Greg Tomsett's going to join me, and I'm going to go way over this segment because Greg and I have a lot to talk about. So we'll uh, I'm preparing Corey right now to maneuver his segments together uh, because he is judged solely on his ability to get me on break on time. So The only metric we have here at the station. It is the only metric. And also uh, handsomeness, which uh, Corey is very high on the handsome scale. <laughs> not, not true. <laughs> Absolutely so, not. There's a reason I'm on radio. That And, and you're – come on, dude. I'm on radio. I'm pretty darn handsome. That's what my mom always well, said. My mom always said it. Okay. Time out. Greg, Greg Tom said a cover one coming up next here on WGR. All right, so I imagine our next guest over the last – week or so as all these contracts have been coming through and almost exactly by the number have gone to his predictions. Almost every single re-sign, uh, reworking, uh, anything Bill's contract related, our next guest, Greg Tomset, literally called them almost to the number. The only variation might be a couple thousand dollars here and there. So I imagine him sort of right now just sitting on his toilet with a cigarette, smoking inside Disgusting. on the phone with us, talking while drinking his morning coffee because it's twelve thirty. And when you're this right all the time, you can afford to have a twelve thirty coffee on the crapper with a cigarette, talking to me on the radio. Greg Tom said, "Is that did I get uh, did I get that right?" <laughs> I, I'd love to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I can't lie. I've certainly had a nice little run here and. Uh, appreciate the chance to come on with you but yeah it's uh, it's it's pretty great when you know certainly some of my projections are half predictions half hopeful that they can pull off this kind of value but to hit the the cap hits and the contract for milano and, and darrell williams almost down to the dollar is, is great i mean obviously I'm, I'm proud of the fact that did the analysis right but the fact the bills got values where the two of them are at 14 million combined for the cap hit when some places you know not no more than a week or two ago thought that both of them could have gotten 14 million dollar contracts the fact we got the two of them combined is unbelievable agreed there man i and you know there's there's a lot that we can go over today one of the things i know i i kind of want to get your thoughts on overall is defensive end Uh, you know they they kind of I don't want to phrase it as they dug their grave with Mario Addison because I do think that there is still value in bringing Mario Addison back. He and Jerry Hughes are best of friends. Um, there's value on those two working together, but I would have liked to see his contract swapped out for a Carl Lawson, a Carlos Dunlop. Um, I think a, a player maybe slightly younger with more of an impact than we saw um, him have last year. But would you say that the edge position – Outside of maybe one more veteran, you know, two or three, maybe four million kind of guy, um, a tier three or four veteran. Um, outside of that, you, you think that's pretty much what they're looking at if they're upgrading any additional pieces on the defensive line? Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of people had different feelings on whether it should be Quentin Jefferson or Vernon Butler, whether we should release Mario Addison to sign a different guy. Now that the deals have been done, so we release Quentin Jefferson, 
they got pay cuts for $2 million each from Vernon Butler and Mario Addison. Both of those were in exchange for increased guarantees. So Vernon Butler and Mario Addison are now, for all intents and purposes, roster locks for 2021. Now, it was done smartly. They didn't restructure the contract, so both can be released next year without any additional dead cap. So they maintain the flexibility, but they're now realistically roster locks, which means at the pass rush area, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, and A.J. Epinesa are locked in. So I do think that that defensive end four spot is a spot where they can debate a veteran guy. Our friend Eric Turner likes Terrell Basham. I like a guy from the Rams, Samson Nabucum. Um, Or now it jumps up my list on the draft because if you're keeping Mario Addison, that means that you're now looking for maybe you can afford one of those bendy, toolsy projects who can afford to come along a little more slowly as defensive end four but has big upside in the future. Um, I think there are some options, but yes, sadly, I know you and I both love Carl Lawson, would have loved a stab at that end of the market. I, I have to assume that that's no longer on the table. So let's, before we get into more specifics, I I think one of the things that I know Sal um, took a crack at trying to clarify for folks, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding of the salary cap as a whole, just mostly because there's a lot of nuance to it, but also, Greg, I don't think we've ever seen this part of the salary cap become so revealing before. Like, we, we haven't seen in, in the volume teams looking for restructuring, um, create and adding voidable years. Those haven't been storylines for the most part because they haven't needed to be. But in a year where the salary cap and the constraints of it are, are what they are, um, we are seeing the side of the business that maybe necessarily wasn't the forward-facing part of salary cap structuring and, and general managers and, and how they're structuring contracts. But now we're all these guys are sort of forced to put this on, on the front burner, so it's become a little bit more transparent of the process talk to me why you know if you're a Bills fan worried about man I'm watching what the Saints are doing right now and the Saints are going to be a shell of the team that they were because they literally just had to get rid of seven to ten veterans all making a lot of money but tell me why you know if you're a veteran who restructures your contract but you see the end or the length of that contract play out and I'm, I'm thinking of Matt Milano in this instance right like I see Matt Milano playing out the four years, and if they have to extend that to a fifth year, I still see him being around for that. So when you're talking about that compared to Janoris Jenkins, who is going to get cut two years before his UFA uh, hits, that has significant ramifications rather than if you're if you're restructuring a guy but the guy's going to see the length of his contract you're not going to see the dead cap or the 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 issues sort of kicking the can down the line like you would if you're going to let a guy play out the term of his contract so talk a little bit about maybe the differences between restructuring and keeping opposed to restructuring and eventually moving on so good examples you brought up the saints the saints are going to pay 22 million dollars this year for drew Brees. he's not going to play football for them that's because they did the restructuring before, and he's now potentially going to be their biggest cap hit, not even on the team. So some examples on the bills on that side of the fence that we don't want to do. The reason you haven't seen restructures for A.J. Klein, restructures for even Mario Addison, the fact that he was a pay cut and not a restructure, they have full flexibility next year in 2022 that they can walk away with almost zero dead cap and just say, hey, we wish you all the best. Thanks for your contributions. We're going to move on. Now, guys on the other end of the spectrum, let's say Deion Dawkins or Trey White, 
they have large salaries for this year because they just got extensions last year. You can now kick those cans down the road, convert those salaries into bonuses, cut them a check today, and it does increase the cap hit in the future. But there's no possibility that we're going to release Deion Dawkins or Trey White. There's almost no downside to doing that other than you're playing like a credit card and borrowing some of that future cap space Mm -hmm. for this year. So when people talk about, oh, man, we're in big trouble, we can't afford any other moves, Brandon Bean has a ton of tools in his tool belt he can go to if he wants to. Now, the reason he doesn't do that is we don't want to be in the spot that the Rams Rams and the Falcons and the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Saints are in where they leveraged a ton of it and then have no options. The more restrained he can be this year, the more spending we can do in the future. But if a value presents itself where, hey, man, we didn't think we could be in on this player at X, but we want to pounce on this, hey, Dion, can we cut you a check today for $10 million and just you help out the team? They can do that and cash that in anytime they want mm-hmm. and simply have those to go to. They're not forced to. You don't do it ahead of time just to create cap space and say, hey, let's go see what we can get with this money. But if they come across a value they can't do without, boom, they can make the move. Cover One's Greg Tom said here on the Wester Hotline, we're talking a little bit about the nuance of free agency, some of the contracts, some of the restructurings that uh, that that NFL fans across the league have been seeing over the last couple of days. But Greg, you know, I, I know one of the one the the maybe the one area you and I agree more on is just it's the fact that if Brandon Bean wants someone this year, I don't think there's anything holding him back. And and and, and the only reason I say that is I think. In years past, I think there's been players that this organization has said, like, no, we don't just want them. We need them. Um, and, and if they get to that point on any player, I don't think there's anything holding this team back from saying, hey, we, re- we need Patrick Peterson. And we're willing to do what it takes to go and get him right now, whether that means, right, you know, reducing Tyler Medikavich's salary, um, whether that means extending Jerry Hughes a year and lessening that cap hit this year, extending and maybe paying more to a Stephon Diggs. And a guy that I don't really hear talked about at all is Cole Beasley, another guy who I think has earned a little bit more money and maybe an extra year or two on his salary. So is there a player in your mind right now, and, and maybe let's take tight end and Jonu Smith off, because now I want to make this a little bit, it makes it a little more difficult for you. I, is there a player out there right now that you look at your you kind of look at the spreadsheet and you say, you know, it's going to be hard to get this done, but man, this team's in a window. I think they know they're in a window and I think they can't go back this year in 2021 and say, you know, we're going to bring our own back, but we're not really going to make any splashes. Their splash intention was JJ Watt. And you know what, before I even ask you this question, I, I need to ask you this one first because I asked Thad this. If JJ Watt's a bill, is the Matt Milano contract getting done? Whew. Um, it's harder. It's certainly harder. I, I don't know that the Bills would have gone all the way to the extreme that the Cardinals did. The Cardinals kicked the can down the road five yeah, years, it's a lot. three voidable years, and they made his cap hit in 2021 $4.9 million. Now, Brandon Bean could have done that. That was available to him. And that if he did, we would have seen, even if it was a little bit higher, but say it was getting it down to the 7 or $8 million range, what it would have done is instead of asking Mario Addison for a pay cut, we would have released Mario Addison. So I think you could have offset that and still had the option of bringing in Matt Milano and Daryl Williams and being almost in the same spot you are now, but it would have taken one, some creative contracts that he has not done, kicking cans down the road and releasing Mario Addison. So I don't think it was a direct 
uh, either or, but it would have been a little bit tougher. I think they could have been in the same spot now. So with that said, is there a player? Um, and I, I, for me, I keep going back to cornerback two as maybe that's where this team ultimately decides, hey, listen, we're going to run back with mostly the same defensive line. How do we help that defensive line this year by if we're not going to add better players, how can we support them on the back end? To me, that is a natural thing for me to say, okay, cornerback's that. But, you know, I think Thad Brown has a point. I do think they like Dane Jackson a lot. I don't know that I'm willing to say, hey, I'm going to punt on a veteran and I'm just going to go with Dane Jackson, and maybe we can bring Levi Wallace back. And if we can't do that, then maybe we go get a you know an EJ Gaines type, not maybe EJ Gaines, but a, t- a player like that, right? Or maybe you say, you know what? Maybe they just invest that money into a starting right guard, Dave Jackson, um, Joe Tooney. I don't know. Like so, there there are players that do that. Is there a player for you that you say if they're going after one tier one guy, this is my guy? So. I don't know that I expected a corner. People have tried to connect. I, I, I like the name of Patrick Peterson. I'd love the idea of that kind of elite player, you know, in his in his twilight years coming here. People have thrown out Richard Sherman. I think it's more realistically in the Jason Verrett, Xavier mm. Woods, Malcolm Butler range. I think you could bring in one of those guys that pretty likely is the starter, but you still have that nice depth. Dane Jackson, I think, gives you the option to make it a one-year deal where you can now bring him along. He's on the active roster every game. You don't need to worry about depth in that area. But you're also not simply handing him the keys and be like, hey, good luck, buddy. Hope you're cornerback too now. At the lower end, um, I do like a younger guy, like a Keller Witherspoon or someone like that, who could come along with it. But I agree. I don't think we're going to see the big splash be there. I, I, you and I would both love a, a Hunter Henry or a Jeremy yeah. Smith. I do think that we're more – at the value end of the scale. And I'll say this applies for cornerback and tight end. I expect us to need to be in the Dan Arnold, Jared Cook end of the pool, but we don't know how this is going to turn out. If a Zach Ertz gets released or Kyle Rudolph doesn't get the contract he thinks he's going to get, or the same for Richard Sherman or Patrick Peterson, you are going to get to a point where there's a musical chairs element at each position where teams with big spending are going to go out and sign the top-end guy. But once those three or four teams use up that big coupon that they had set aside for a top-end corner or a top-end tight end or pass rusher, there are going to be more names left than big-ticket purchases. And at that point, you're going to be saying, oh, do I want $8 million from the Jets or do I want $4 million from the Bills? And which one's going to set me up for a better contract in 2022? And there's a non-zero chance that the Bills get a name value at a really nice price at a spot or two we're not expecting. I, I can't predict where it is because though each of the guys that we would predict deserve more money. But at some point, Musical Chairs is going to leave somebody without a seat and they might come take less money for a team that will be on primetime six times, likely winning their division, likely going on a nice playoff run, and a great roster and locker room that all the players are talking about, I think there's a chance for something exciting there. Um, Without commentary, on my behalf, John Feliciano, what what, what is your... Uh, prediction on what happens there and maybe uh, go beyond that if ultimately your decision is that this team's going to walk away um, from John Feliciano. What's your solution at right guard if it's not Feliciano? So just to paint a little bit of color, John Feliciano has spent a sizable amount of money on new representation, 
a new marketing agent who have both done a nice job. He just got brought up by Michael Robinson on NFL Network as the top available value guy to go after. That's because of an agent pushing. So he wants cash. He wants to get paid. Last time he signed with the Bills at two years, $7 million, that was the best contract he ever got in his career. He's not a player who's banked a ton of generational wealth that can now afford to take a lesser contract like, say, a Richard Sherman or a Patrick Peterson could. I think that when Track projects him at $8 million, I think he saw that number like the rest of us did, and he wants that number. I can guarantee that number's not coming from the Buffalo Bills. Now, that doesn't mean he won't be back. That doesn't mean that there's not that same musical chairs that I talked about. Unfortunately for him, in the past week, we've seen Kevin Zeitler, Gabe Jackson, maybe Andrew Norwell, now Trey Turner, the return of Richie Incognito, all those kind of guys out there who are all, in my opinion, probably slight upgrades to John Feliciano. And I'd be surprised if any of them got $8 million. So I would love to grab any of those names. I like Kevin Zeitler a lot. I like Gabe Jackson a lot. Yeah. You know, a name like that that we could maybe bring in closer to five or six million dollars for a cap hit. I projected Kevin Zeitler two years, fifteen million. That's my top wish list. I think you can do that at a five or six million dollar cap hit in twenty twenty one, make a sizable upgrade at right guard and now have Mitch Morris Kevin Zeitler, Daryl Williams, boom, your right side is done. And now all of a sudden you can afford Mike Botger versus Cody Ford versus a third-round pick to be the battle at left guard, and that's your worst spot with nice depth. All right, Greg. Well, this is going to be a really interesting next couple of days. Uh, you know, I, I, I recognize that I probably have to get you on part-time staff if I bring you back next week, so just be prepared for some W-2 uh, information to come your way for next year's tax returns because I'm probably calling you back next week. Uh, when We when I, I, we should have a full week of... Uh, rumors, uh, hopefully uh, uh, some signing. So we'll 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 be in uh, we'll be in short touch, my friend. But appreciate you as always making time and uh, and and bringing the insight for uh, for free agency because we know it's going to be a busy next couple of days. So appreciate you, my friend, and uh, we'll talk soon. Absolutely, nobody recklessly speculates better than me. So Damn I'll straight to come on and throw some numbers around. Thank Damn straight. It. We'll talk soon. L- sounds good, brother. Greg Thompson there of Cover One on the West Her Hotline. I'm gonna take two timeouts coming up here. Then I got Matt Prino, New York Upstate, coming up at 1 p.m. here on WGR.